Welcome to My Adventures in Healing, stories and tales from my messy journey of transformation. Buckle up for a wild and wacky ride because truth is often stranger than fiction. I'm Jamie, and I will be your guide into the twists and turns of my adventurous life. I'm so glad you're here with me. Let's jump right in. Here we go again. Welcome and thanks for joining me. So as I shared last time, the summer of 2017, I had started to like focus on taking care of myself a little bit more. I shared last time that I had come up with this master plan for my marriage and how we could fix things where... I thought it would be beneficial for each of us to like focus on ourselves and like come into greater aliveness and nourishment within ourselves and that would help our relationship improve, right? And so I had sort of decided on that path and was forging ahead with that. And what that looked like for me was being a little bit more intentional around self-care. Now, up until this point in my life, self-care looked like maybe a pedicure or a bubble bath in my soaking tub. And looking back on it, those activities were like stepping away activities. Like I would go get a pedicure on a Sunday And it was an opportunity for like an hour, hour and a half of quiet time for myself and reading and a little bit of indulgence because my pedicure place served wine, you know, or Prosecco. And so it was this like gift to myself. Similarly, my bathtub time often consisted of time to read a book and have a glass of wine and disconnect. My understanding of self-care at that time was really like time to myself, but I would say what was missing that I've come to understand is really important and much more nourishing, but I didn't really know or have experience with that then. What was missing was sort of being intentional with the time. That time was then for me more of a like escape, like uh, not being needed by anybody else, having quiet alone time, indulging in what felt good for me. You know, again, at that time, much of my life centered around what everybody else needed. And so it was this way to like focus on my own needs. But I wouldn't say that it was nourishing. There was this element of nourishment that was definitely missing. So in the summer of 2017, as I was embarking on this grand plan to like nourish myself more, I did start choosing some self-care activities that had more nourishment. Now, they were still very much focused on alone time and disconnection time from responsibilities. And again, at this time, I was super stressed and exhausted and had very little capacity to give. And so like 
the self-care that I started engaging in was like going to yin yoga, which if you've ever been to yin yoga or um, at the local yoga studio where I went, it was called deep stretch yoga. It was like an hour and a half class. It was very slow, holding a pose for several minutes, deepening into the pose with deep breaths. Um, I wasn't very physically fit or active. I was, in fact, carrying a lot of stress weight at the time and didn't really feel comfortable in my body. So, like, yin yoga or deep stretch was all I felt that I could handle. But it was this opportunity for me to have some space to just surrender and let go. And I love the notion, I think people often share it, of leaving everything on the yoga mat, you know, coming in, surrendering, being present, being intentional, not being disconnected, but actually present in my body, noticing what was happening, breathing through it, stretching. So I was showing up for self-care, but in this like little bit more intentional way, a little bit more nourishing way, and in a way that was much more present and grounded. Now, the idea of doing these things felt like doing something for myself felt really uncomfortable in, in all honesty and sincerity. And the choosing the yoga class felt a little bit more palatable because it felt like I could say to my then husband or folks, I'm going to yoga. And so it sort of like set this expectation that I was taking care of myself physically and what have you. Like what I really needed was time and space to just decompress. But I didn't know how to advocate for that. I was very judgmental about my need for time and space to decompress. And so this outlet of going to this deep stretch yoga class felt like it was something that would be acceptable to the outside world and a way that I could experience some of the nourishment, grounding, dis um, disconnecting from the stresses and just like finding some peace that I needed. But I was still very awkward and embarrassed about mentioning these types of things. Yoga felt a little bit more okay, but I also started going to some meditation classes and some vision quest sessions that were facilitated and hosted by a local um, medicine woman. And those were really nourishing for me at the same time, but those I felt uncomfortable describing or explaining that I was choosing to show up for myself in that sort of spiritual nourishment. I had a perception that I would be um, judged or ridiculed or I was just fearful of like owning what I needed, like that idea of needing something and needing to nourish myself felt very awkward and uncomfortable to articulate. And so I was a little bit secretive in all sincerity about these things. You know, I would say, oh, I have a class to go to, or I'm going to yoga, or 
I'm going to a meditation practice and I, I wouldn't share the like deeper intention with anybody because I was really critical of myself and my needs and not sure how to show up for them and how to share them with people. But as I started to do more of these activities, as I started going to the deep stretch yoga with some regularity, as I started going to some meditation sessions, as I embarked on this sort of intentional choice of choosing activities that were more nourishing for me and that created more spaciousness for myself in those activities where I was present and grounded and quite frankly tuning into myself instead of being on this path of go, 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 trying to do, trying to control, but really slowing down, being present, listening, I started to be aware of some of my feelings. I started to be aware of or reflect on some of the interactions and stress points in my life. So as I shared in the past couple sessions, you know, that year of 2017 was really this breaking open year for me where some of these pressures in my life were cracking me open. And part of what enabled, you know, the light to get into those cracks, the awareness to come into um, fruition or for me to become aware of perhaps the need to make some shifts and changes was intentionally creating some of this spaciousness where I could become more aware. So that was happening in that time frame of the summer of 2017. And so last time I shared about, you know, this pivotal trip to Greece, this sort of like awkward colliding together of these different themes and awareness points and choice points. And that really happened at the end of July and beginning of August of this time frame. So when we got back to the U.S., back to our life in Charlotte after that trip to Greece, there was this like spark within me um, that I alluded to last, last time of I want more aliveness in my life. And it was very potent. Um, in fact, looking back, those first week or two back from that trip to Greece, like I was like fiery and feeling the pressure and the discomfort of the life that we were coming back to. I was missing the aliveness that I felt in Greece, the aliveness that I experienced traveling and being in different places. And so coming back to our life, our normal life in the U.S. and Charlotte, North Carolina, with all the stresses that were present in our life, it was one of those moments where, like if you've ever heard something described as your skin feels too tight, right? Like, like feeling crammed into something that just doesn't feel right. Like that is absolutely what I felt coming back from that trip. And I remember sharing it with my therapist who I was still seeing at the time as a result of, you know, all the things that were going on in our life. 
like sharing this like desire to like voicing the fear and the acknowledgement that there was a part of me that wanted to run away. There was a part of me that was very dissatisfied with the life I was living in Charlotte. There was a part of me that wanted change. And that trip to Greece had, as awkward as it was with the other humans on the trip, for me, there was this breath of like, awakening and aliveness and adventure and more that was right like out beyond the edges and I wanted more of that and so there was this part of me that wanted to run away and I remember talking with my therapist about it and saying you know sharing that with her and then us talking through okay well you know the flight response is a normal type of response to stress. And there's, you know, been a lot and continues to be a lot of stress in our lives and in our in our marriage and things like that. And so as much as that might feel desirable to run away, right? Like that's not really the path forward, right? Like the path forward is figuring out how to work with what we have and are there ways and opportunities to chase more of that aliveness. One of the things that I had said yes to in this time was a leadership course. I had come into contact or come into community with a um, incredible mentor, leader, guide who I had started interacting with the year before, actually, and attended some of her um, sound healing sessions and some of her introductory exploration sessions around this program that she had that was a priestess immersion program, like really stepping in. It was for women stepping into greater leadership within ourselves and within our own lives. And I had explored the opportunity and the idea of potentially participating in that program the year before and had, in fact, committed to it and said yes to it. And then just the timing did not feel aligned with everything that was happening in our life with my then-husband's cancer journey and um, the role I was taking in our construction company. And so I had told her that I needed to not participate in the program at that time, that the timing just didn't feel aligned. Um, And in fact, my saying no to the program created a space for another human to say yes, and it was perfectly aligned for her, and we would later become close friends, and she would be a bit of a, a mentor and a friend for me on my own journey. So it's always kind of interesting, like, how these things unfold. But here I was a year later, and the opportunity to participate and be involved in this program came around again. And one of the things, I'm a a little embarrassed, although, you know what, this is the radical honesty of what was true for me. One of the things that came with the program, so it was this nine-month immersion program, we had monthly calls and like explorations of these principles and pillars of stepping into greater leadership in our lives and in the world and listening to our inner calling. And what came with the program was also um, body work and somatic release work and massage therapy and sound healing. 
And I really said yes to the program in many ways because of those additional nourishing practices that were a component of it. So yes, in addition to the the leadership and the principles and stepping forward and exploring these themes, there was also monthly massage therapy and support and monthly sound therapy and support. And at that time in my life, I was recognizing the need for these this nourishment, this um, like, I have so much stress and I need to do something with it. I need to start managing it. I need to start taking better care of myself. And so I said yes to the program in many ways because of those therapeutic protocols that were woven into it and the acknowledgement that I needed that support in my life. Now, it also came with the support of the other humans in the program and was this opportunity to be in sisterhood and in community again, which was also exciting to me. So I found myself at the beginning of September um, heading into a full-day retreat for this program. We were going to be in session all day long in an in-person retreat. And I was like excited and nervous and uncertain about what, you know, the commitment to this endeavor was going to unfold for me in my life. But I felt this deep like alignment within myself that, yes, this is this is the right step forward for me. And it was interesting because in my conversations with Marcella, who is incredible, um, leader and mentor of this program. And if you're not familiar with her, Marcella is an incredible human. If you want information on her, you can always message me and I'll get you in touch with her. But one of the conversations that she and I had coming into this program and something that she absolutely said is that, you know, other people that had said yes to this path of personal exploration and stepping into their power and leadership, you know, when people say yes to this path, it will change your life. Like things will unfold unexpectedly as you start to say yes to opening yourself up to more, right? Like, and and I kind of understood what she meant and I believed it to a degree, but I hadn't really lived it, right? Like up to this point in my life, I, I would describe myself as like a person that had been sort of like following the rules of Western life, right? Like checking all the boxes on having a career and a successful career and dating and looking for a spouse and getting married and settling down and sort of going on vacations and what have you. And and though I had inner longings for more, I was sort of like following the rules and doing what I thought was expected as opposed to listening to some of those inner voices from within that said, hey, there's there's something over here for you. I had not been doing that as much. I did that once upon a time when I was younger, but in my 20s and 30s, I'd sort of gotten away from listening to that inner voice and that inner spark of knowing and wisdom. And so saying yes to this program was an act of listening to that voice again, right? And so 
there was this awareness that something was going to shift. And, you know, whenever we like step into something, we're like, oh, I know how things are going to unfold. Well, I had no idea how how things were going to unfold. So I said yes to this program. And in preparation of being away for all day at this retreat, You know, I found myself at this point in time, like starting to be a little bit more intentional about my life. So intentional in the sense of choosing self-care that was a little bit more nourishing, starting to notice my behaviors, starting to ask the question, not routinely or consistently, but occasionally, how do I want to show up in this? And being a little bit more intentional around owning my path forward. So over the few weeks, it had been about a month since we'd gotten back from Greece, my then husband and I had had a variety of different conversations around, you know, what's happening in our marriage, what's going on. And these conversations were really precipitated by me poking and prodding at him and being like, dude, like, what's going on? Like, what are you feeling? Are we fixing this? Are we, I don't feel like we're connecting. Like, are you invested in this relationship or not? Are we going to move forward? Like me wanting an answer and sort of like poking and prodding at him to try to get some reading from him on what he wanted. Now, looking back, I can see with clarity several things. So my then husband is a massive introvert, right? And I would describe myself as more of an ambivert. I'm extroverted in certain circumstances, like one-on-one circumstances. I don't like crowds of people for interaction, but if it's people that I enjoy spending time with and I have a deeper connection with, then I am extroverted with them. And from extroverted, I mean the one-on-one interaction and interacting with them nourishes me. Whereas I tend to be introverted in like larger group settings, like larger group dynamics tend to drain my energy. He is absolutely more of the classic introvert, or he was at that point in time. Things may have shifted for him, not sure. But where he processes things much more internally, right? Like coming into like awareness of his truth was an internal process and one that often takes time. Whereas my process tended to be somewhat internal, but then also external in terms of interacting with others, getting feedback, helping me formulate my ideas out loud. I did not understand at that time. I have come to understand as I've studied more about like, personality types and what nourishes us and, you know, just our different human design characteristics. You know, I thought, you know, I was ready to talk about our relationship. I wanted to understand what was happening. So I was trying to engage with him in conversation so that we could figure out a path forward. And I I deeply desired connection and interaction. I thought I was giving him space by giving him a week or two to think about things. Understanding better now what that looks like for introverts to process feelings and emotions and also understanding better where 
he may or may not have had some some wounding or some um, a lack of trust and sense of safety with me to really express what he was feeling, I can completely understand why my pushing and prodding did not create an environment where he felt like he could share what was true and alive for him, right? Like looking back, I can see how my approach, my style, my not allowing him to come to be, but me like poking and prodding him did not create a sense of perhaps safety to actually share and explore, right? It would have been perhaps more conducive for him if I'd sat back and waited and allowed him to come to me to demonstrate it that I heard him the previous times when he shared, I'm not ready to really explore this. If I'd given him some time and space, you know, who knows what our conversations might have looked like if if it had unfolded that way. But I was feeling this intense, like, being at this crossroads and these choice points and wanting to understand, like, which way I needed to go, like what was going on in my life and, you know, a marriage and a partnership, even though like we weren't really very good partners with one another, um, is a major component of one's life. And I was seeing the disconnect. I was feeling the disconnect and I, and I wanted to be able to make change and to fix or solve it. So that was certainly, we'd had a series of conversations over those few weeks between Greece, coming back from Greece and the beginning of September where I was like, hey, what's going on? Are you ready to talk about this? What have you? And I'm sure looking back that he felt pushed and prodded. So as I was heading into this day-long retreat at the beginning of September, I think I was in a bit of like, an introspective place and maybe, you know, this idea, I think sometimes this happens when we say yes to a a new path forward. There were some themes that were alive for me about being more intentional. Like if I'm stepping into this choice of being maybe a better human and and a better leader in my own life, You know, are there some behaviors or things that need to shift and change? And so I found myself before heading to the retreat that day, sitting down and writing my then husband a letter and really pouring my heart out to him and taking ownership of the ways in which I acknowledged that I had not been a good partner. I was really starting to see these things. Um, I didn't know how to fix them, but I started to see some of the behaviors differently. I started to see some of the ways in which I had not been honoring him and his experience and perhaps had not been listening to him. I had not been asking him questions around what he needed, right? Again, I had been managing and solving and trying to fix for both of us, trying to manage the outcomes that I desired and not listening, not hearing, not um, asking, and maybe not 
actually definitely not holding space for whatever he was experiencing. And so I wrote him this long letter committing to wanting to do better, committing to wanting to move forward um, with greater intentionality, committing to wanting to be a better partner and spouse and owning the way in which I had not been doing that. And I left him that letter and went off to this day-long retreat. The retreat was really powerful for me. Um, It was a very similar experience to me to what I shared happened for me in 2015. I was in this community space. It was a very small group of us that were on this journey together. It was three other women and Marcella, our guide, and we were doing some exercises that day, really like sharing who we were and where we were at in life. And I remember deciding, I don't know if it was in the moment or just like it unfolded to be like, I need to start removing the masks. I need to start sharing with greater honesty and truth and and sharing with those women you know, what was true and alive for me that day, not who I'd been before or anything, but what was alive for me that day. I remember being very present and saying, what is alive for me right now is that I'm experiencing this awareness of the ways in which I have not been a good spouse and the ways in which I have not shown up the way I really desire to and really opening and unburdening my heart in that space and being witnessed in it. And it was ex- it was an extremely powerful experience for me to hold myself with compassion as I shared that, to say, I have not been showing up the way I desire to and I desire to do better. Like that was very alive for me that day in the letter I'd written to my husband and what I shared um, in the group with those folks. Um, There were also some other great, powerful things that happened that day. We did two different exercises that would become super powerful and pivotal for me. One was we did a forgiveness exercise. Um, There's a resource that you can find at radicalforgiveness.com. I forget the gentleman's name that created the protocol. You'll probably be able to find it in the session notes. I'll make sure to include it. But we did these worksheets that takes you through this process of radical forgiveness. And this exercise really like unlocked something within me. I can't remember who or for what I did the radical forgiveness. It might have actually been for myself. I might have walked through the radical forgiveness exercise, forgiving myself for not um, having been able to show up better and for, you know, doing the best I could with the tools that I had. Um, But it was a really powerful exercise. And we were gifted additional like worksheets for the process to take home with us as a takeaway. So that was like one of those things where I was given, again, because I'd said yes to this path in this retreat and in this session, 
a doorway was open to me and I was introduced to a new tool and a new resource that would then become very useful for me later on. And so we did that exercise with the radical forgiveness. The other thing that we did was a vision exercise, like mapping out a dream that we wanted to see come to life. And one of the things that had unfolded for me really over the past year and a half, but was very alive on the heels of the trip to Greece, is I had begun to explore photography as a method of like creative play. It had really unlocked for me the year before in 2016 on a girl's trip to San Diego with two of my friends. I'd started photographing the succulents, the plants that were along the sidewalks in San Diego, and I found myself experiencing this sort of creative play that was very nourishing to my soul. So much like choosing some of the self-care, the deep stretch yoga and meditation activities, I'd also been exploring creative play as a nourish, a nourishing form of self-care during this time. And on our trip to Greece, one of the things that helped me navigate some of the awkwardness of the human aspects of that trip was allowing myself to be captivated by the scenery and taking tons of photos. And so I found myself in moments of tension that summer Um, taking 15 minutes to like reset and regroup and edit photos and allowing that creative play to be nourishing for me. And so the vision that came to me that day during that retreat was this desire to travel and take photographs and explore different places um, and like develop a picture book a travel book of different places that had impact through history. I'd always been drawn to history and architecture. This is why I had my undergraduate degree was in art history. Like to really like tap back into those parts of myself that loved like ancient civilization and as humans, how we'd evolved over time in the places we'd lived and this idea of spirituality and worship and the temples of ancient Greece. So I had this vision for doing this sort of like travel exploration of places around the Mediterranean because Greece had really captivated me. And so I remember writing out this vision for this picture book, this travel exploration book in this day-long retreat session. So there were, you know, like, again, this retreat was just this pivotal point in time for me where I was simultaneously taking some greater ownership and accountability for who I'd been. I was sharing my disappointment in myself with others, allowing myself to be witnessed. I was choosing to try to find some forgiveness for myself around how I had not been able to show up and allowing those insights and that discomfort to guide how I wanted to show up moving forward. I explored and discovered these tools around radical forgiveness and really walking through this process. And we went through this exercise of envisioning this dream for ourselves. And part of the dream that was bubbling up within me was this combination of travel, adventure, 
and photography and exploring more some of my creative interests and pursuits and expressing myself that way. So that retreat day was so powerful. And I remember on a break during, you know, the day, um, a break from our sessions, checking my phone and seeing a text message from my husband saying, hey, thank you for the letter. Um, Thanks for, you know, for the note, for leaving it for me. I'm going to take some time today for myself to do some things, but let's talk tomorrow. And I was like, great, awesome. I'll see you at home later. Um, you know, and I remember just being like, oh, I'm, I'm so grateful that I reached out and shared from like this place in my heart instead of sort of like putting all the pressure on him to decide what's next. I led with this is where and how I want to take accountability. This is where and how I pledge to do better. And maybe that will invite him into you know, a conversation with me instead of me trying to force a conversation. I was trying to say, this is what I'm pledging to do. Let me know when, you know, you're ready to talk. Um, And so I was just, I left that, um, that retreat day, that session, just feeling really hopeful, right? Like seeing this path forward and feeling really hopeful around it. So I think I saw him later that afternoon. He was working on his car and doing some of his own fun stuff, saw the kids, you know, did whatever, and sort of just went around about my day. And feeling really, I was feeling really nourished from the retreat. Like my cup felt filled up, right? Like I'd shared, I'd released a bunch of emotion. I was in connection and community. I'd done this forgiveness exercise done some visioning work. Like if you've ever been on a retreat, you know, you can leave this retreats feeling really nourished and filled up. And that was certainly how I felt. And also just in need of some quiet time. So later that evening, just enjoyed some quiet reading or reflections or time in the garden. Not really sure what the rest of the day looked like. So the next day, he and I were kind of doing whatever and was like, hey, do you want to talk? And so we sat down to talk and I was trying to be like really present and listen, like listen with my heart to whatever he wanted to share. I remember starting the conversation from that place of I desire to listen more than I have been. Well, what he shared with me in that conversation, he thanked me for the letter and for everything that I'd shared And he shared his truth with me. And his truth was that he no longer wanted to be married. That our relationship was not fulfilling or nourishing. That this was a chapter in his life that was actually painful and uncomfortable. And he just wanted it to be done and wanted to move on. And he was very honest with me and said, I don't love you anymore. I'm not in love with you. I'm not attracted to you. And because of his own journey with cancer and feeling the same sort of sense of desiring, you know, to live a life 
of aliveness and realizing that life is very precious and very short, he was ready to move on. And he did not desire to invest any time or any effort in fixing our relationship. And I remember sitting there and really listening and really hearing him. And like understanding what he was saying, but not understanding. Um, I guess because I was like, well, well what do you mean we're not going to try to fix this, right? Like we're, we're married. We, we made a promise. Like we're in marriage with each other. Aren't we going to try to fix it? And him really sharing that the marriage had been dead and done for him for quite some time. And I remember in the moment when he'd shared that, uh, thinking about a piece of wisdom that a dear friend of mine, Emily, had shared with me years and years ago. When we were talking about relationships, we were talking about how the the concept of the end of a relationship is really a spectrum, right? And there's this idea of the beginning of the end, the middle of the end, and the end of the end. And I remember it hitting me as I was listening to him sharing that he was, you know, done and like done done. I was like, wait a second, like in my mind, we're we're not at the end of the end. We haven't even tried to fix this, right? Like in my mind, we were at the beginning of the end and we had time and space to try to fix things. And he, it sounded like he was saying he was at the end of the end. And I was like, well, wh- how is that possible? Now, I had gone into that conversation with the intention of listening with my heart and holding space for him. And I did that. I heard what he was saying, even though it didn't make sense to me. And I tried to acknowledge what he was feeling and sharing. And if I'm totally honest, there was a lot of my good girl conditioning that started to kick in. And there was a bit of like, okay, um... I need to show him that I'm hearing him. I need to show that I'm a good partner. And so I'm going to acknowledge what he's saying and hear what he's sharing and give him time and space. But already there was a part of my mind that was like, okay, I can fix this, right? And so we parted with that conversation. He went off to do other things. And here's where... Like, I decided to take a different approach to how I was going to deal with this. I was like, okay. I I was reeling. I was like, what the heck just happened? Oh, my gosh. That is not the outcome I expected. I was probably in a bit of shock. But I was like, okay, how do I show up in this from a more evolved perspective? (laughs) And I'm laughing as I'm telling you this, because looking back, I was kind of like if you've ever um, studied the trauma response kind of approaches, there's fight, there's flight, there's freeze. And then there's a fourth one that's been described in recent years, which is fawn, which is where you like prove that you're worthy or um, shower the other person with like platitudes or what have like 
oh, don't worry. It's, it's fine. It'll be great. Kind of. And I was sort of in like caught between freeze and fawn. So he went about his day, went off and did whatever. And I in our, the master suite at our house, I sort of like shut the doors rolled out my yoga mat, made a little altar space, brought out my sage, lit some candles, pulled out those radical forgiveness sheets from the day before and sat down and was like, okay, how do I, how do I consciously and with compassion navigate my way through this heartbreak, right? Like this thing, right? And so that's what I did. I sat there for several hours, stretching, in child's pose, with lit candles, with lit sage, like pouring my heart out in a journal and in these radical forgiveness sheets, trying to make sense of what had unfolded. And I sat there for hours. Um, I burned a lot of sage that day. In fact, our daughters, who were on the other side of the house, sent a group text to us that was like, is something burning? Is something on fire with the house? And I had to get up and go say, no, nothing's on fire. I'm just burning some sage. And then later he came back to the house. And unbeknownst to me, he hated the smell of sage. And he came into our bedroom, which it did reek of sage, but I like the smell of it. And he was like, oh, my God, this is awful, you know, and hated the way it smelled. And in fact, ended up sleeping on the couch that night. And I sort of found his reaction humorous. Instead of, like, it tr- activating my people-pleasing modes, I was sort of like, this is a ridiculous response. But, you know, what have you. But that was actually a powerful thing for me that day because it was, like, the first time that I sort of saw, in a way, like, I can't worry around about everybody else's stuff all the time. Like, what I need and want might be an inconvenience to other people and it's okay. Like I sort of found the situation with the sage humorous because I was like, well, that was something that helped me. I needed that. I needed that time to meditate. I needed that time with the sage. And yeah, maybe it would have been better if I'd had the bedroom door open even more or, you know, circulated the sage through the house or the air better or what have you. But like, That was helpful for me. That was useful for me. And it's okay if that irritates somebody else, right? Like I sort of had, it was like this moment of clarity for me that sometimes what we need is going to be an inconvenience for somebody else. And um, that's okay. So over the next week or two, I definitely showed up with him in this energy and perspective of how do I make this right? How do I show that um, I'm here for you? I'm listening. I can, I'm being a good partner. Like, I really wasn't hearing him when he said he was done. I mean, I heard it, but I was operating from this place of, Maybe if I show up the right way, I'll convince him that that's not really what he thinks and feels. And it wasn't long, a few days, a week, I don't remember how long. It it wasn't long that I was um, showing up that way when he sort of pulled me aside and said, you're not getting this. 
We are not fixing this. I am done. This is out of your control. We are not going to move forward. I want a divorce. And he, that, that was just really hard for me to comprehend because I was operating from this perspective of, but we promised, right? Like in our marriage vows, we promised to like love each other and to work through stuff. Like I didn't get this idea of walking away without trying, right? Like I understood the concept of if we can't make it work, walking away, but it was really hard for me to fathom this idea of we're going to walk away without trying to fix it. And he reminded me of something, and this is where he, it was really helpful that he reminded me of this. And actually, in a minute, I want to take a moment to give him props for the way he navigated through this, because I'm really grateful, actually. Before he and I got married, we had a conversation. It was sort of like a intellectual, emotional prenuptial agreement, not on paper and not related to money or finances or anything like that, but this agreement that if we embark on this marriage, this relationship, because he had reservations having been married and divorced before, and he had some, I think, uh, how do I say it? Um, scars are just like perspectives as a result of those experiences that, you know, he was entering into marriage with me with this perspective of, man, divorce can be really difficult. And so we had this agreement with one another, and I was totally on board with it, that if we ever found ourselves in a situation of, like, not feeling in alignment or um, frustrated or the relationship wasn't working out, we would do our best to end the relationship without resenting one another. We would do our best to end the relationship as friends. And that was a promise that we made to each other before we embarked on getting married. And he reminded of me of that and was very honest with me in the week or two after he shared that he wanted a divorce when he said, hey, the reason I'm not willing to put any more time and effort into this is right now I resent you a lot. I'm already at this place of resentment. And he shared his fear. He said, I'm afraid that if we try to fix this, I will resent you further and I will move past the point at which I can continue to be your friend. He's like, we're already close to that right now. And I'm fearful that I won't be able to keep that initial promise to you if we try to fix things. And for whatever reason, that honesty, that transparency, that vulnerability, him vocalizing that truth to me of, look, I'm at this point where I don't know right now if I can even keep that promise of trying to navigate to friendship with you. That made an impact on me. That made a dent. That like got through my trying to fix things solution-oriented approach and like woke me up to, hey, 
this promise that we made is in danger of not being kept. Like we really need to stop right here or that might be out of reach. And I really, and he knows this because I've said this to him, but uh, if he's listening, I hope he hears it again. Like I really respect him and the courage it took to be that honest and to be the bad guy to a degree. To be in his truth and say, I don't want to work on this. I don't want to fix this. I am past the point of resentment. I am past the point of fixing. I am ready to be done. He was brutally honest with me, but that was his truth. And it was really important that he shared that so that his truth could be honored. Even though his truth was really, really uncomfortable for me to hear. I have so much respect and admiration for him and the courage it took to share that truth with me, especially since our pattern together and the pattern that I had demonstrated up to that point in the relationship was not one where I had held space for his truth. Um, And maybe, you know, I don't know. I've always been curious what it was right? Like about that letter of taking accountability and ownership that opened the door for him to be more honest. And and maybe that was it. Maybe he felt like I might hear him this time, that it might be the time for him to share his truth. And I'm, I'm grateful that he shared that truth with me. Now, That was painful to hear, right? Hearing from your life partner, I don't love you anymore. I'm not attracted to you. I'm not in love with you. And I'm ready for our life together to be done is devastating to hear. Especially when you can see and feel that it's their truth. Right? And so over the coming weeks and months, I would embark on an internal journey to try to figure out how to hold space for his truth and hold space for how it made me feel. And I would say that Those few weeks of learning to hold space for multiple things that could be true simultaneously changed my life. And actually, I'm very grateful because it's one of the reasons why um, I am such a powerful coach and space holder now. Learning to hold space for multiple simultaneous truths. Learning to see and acknowledge that multiple things can be true at the same time. People call it, you know, the both and. Learning to acknowledge that he wanted and needed something else and I didn't. And trying to figure out how to navigate that truth 
with compassion and understanding for both of us opened something in me that was a really important lesson. Um, And actually, I would say, taught me a great deal about love. I learned more about love and how to love my then-husband in the act of letting him go with compassion, really hearing him, not fighting for our marriage because understanding that that would not honor him and his experience and his desires. It was one of the greatest lessons of my life. And I will share more next time in the next episode around what I learned in those weeks and months as I navigated letting go with love and how challenging and complex um, the process of untangling, right? Like this conscious uncoupling kind of concept, what that looked and felt like for me. Um, next time I'll share more about that because it is hard. And I say this when I reference divorce, the end of any committed relationship, right? Like you don't have to be married to be in this committed relationship but like the the unraveling of all the different roles and connections and dynamics when there's children involved we had a business together shared friendships community like all of those interentanglements right like interwoven tapestries of our lives how to intentionally navigate through that process of untangling ourselves and letting go taught me so much. I learned so many lessons. I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about holding space. I learned so much about how to be there for our children um, during that time. And so, yeah, it was a really, really powerful time for me. So that's where we're going to wrap up today with, I guess I would title this episode, um, what would be the insider lesson looking back? One, there is such a thing as too much sage, I guess, for some people. And, you know, I just am struck as I look back on this time that, um, I'm really grateful that I had started to be more intentional around the self-care, right? Like finding things that nourished me and creating space for myself to process stuff. And also just noticing how the tools that we need sometimes show up when we need them, right? Like thinking about how powerful that retreat session was for me and the timing of it. And how grateful I am that I embarked on that path and had that experience where I was able to be filled up so much because I needed that nourishment in the days and weeks ahead. And how grateful I was and would become to be in community with other people and to be witnessed and supported as um, my then husband and I went through the process of disentangling our business relationships and our household and all the things, right? Like that that choice 
to invest in those um, tools of self-care was so um, intuitively guided, right? Like I needed that and I said yes to those things. And then uh, Marcella and I often laugh, um, you know, when I told her what had happened the day after the retreat, like it was exactly the next day after I said yes to this stepping into greater leadership within my life and within myself, that my life radically changed. And my husband said, hey, I don't want to be married anymore. And so we we joked about that, right? Like that her truth that if you say yes to this path, it will change your life and be prepared for the unexpected. You know, I sort of found humor in that, like that that, like understanding that that happened for other people too, and that I wasn't alone in that. There was some powerful healing in that too, right? Like that I'm not the first person to walk this path of unexpected um, discovery and um, and rupture, and that there's potentially something beautiful on the other side if I'm willing to pursue it. And so. Like, all of these things were alive for me in September of 2017 as my then-husband and I uh, were embarking on the path of divorce. So, thank you for joining me, and I look forward to sharing more of these adventures in healing with you next time. I hope you've enjoyed today's stories and tales from my messy journey of transformation. If any of what you heard today resonates with you and you desire to explore any of the themes further or to be in community and connection, bonus content is available to you. Tips, tools, resources, connection, and more. Visit my website, adventuresinhealing.co and follow the prompts for behind-the-scenes podcast access and bonus content. You will also find information on how to connect with me directly and the mentoring services and programs I offer. My life has become an adventure in healing, discovery, and aliveness, and yours can too. I hope to connect with you soon. Much love, and please remember, live your adventure because you are the magic.